And welcome, this is Tony Tolado, and this is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, and we are back to doing it as a live thing once a month. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And this weekly edition is for June 1st. Happy June 1st. I cannot believe we're here already. We're a month away from July 1st. It's like, Crazy, isn't it? But that's the way it goes, you know. Um, we're going to be going through some news that's going on right now, and um, we'll we'll see how it all goes. I just pumped up the volume a little bit there, and that'll help a little bit. So let's get to it. There's a new Star Trek video game, Star Trek Resurgence. It has a narrative style, and the style really of the Telltale games, like for The Walking Dead and even Batman. Uh, according to comic book resources. They state that Resurgence is held back by the more tedious elements of its gameplay and more dated elements of its technical presentation. Personally, I experienced a walkthrough, and frankly, I have seen better animation and some of those tedious elements I got to experience myself. However, I did like the story. It seemed pretty sound. And Ambassador Spock, voiced by Piotr Michael was very nicely done. He put his own spin on it, but there's definitely a little bit of Nimoy. Make your own choice. There's gameplay videos available uh, on YouTube, and I would recommend you view those first before you decide to buy. Sci-Fi Talk continues, so stay tuned. So we'll see how that goes. Speaking of gaming, Spider-Man 2 has Miles Morales' Spidey, and he joins forces with Spider-Man Peter Parker, facing Venom and Kraven the Hunter. I enjoyed playing the first game and seeing Spidey swing through New York City, including my old neighborhood on East 23rd Street. According to Game Rant, we're going to see more of New York, including Harlem. Now, I did see a little bit of the gameplay. Actually, it was shown before a movie that I went to see recently. I think it was Ant-Man and Quantumania. And the funny thing about it was, it was super exciting. They were in the East River and really did some really cool stuff. It's worth a look. It looks like Peter has the black symbiont Spider-Man suit. So that means he is Venom. And even during the gameplay, Miles Morales kind of said, hey, what's up with Pete? Go to YouTube and see the gameplay as well. That's probably the best thing to do and uh, and check it out. TV Line reports that Superman and Lois and Gotham Knights remain in limbo as of now. Personally, I had trouble getting into Gotham Knights. Their characters just didn't grab me. However, Misha Collins as Harvey Dent did his usual fine job and was well cast. The Fighting his duality of the conscientious attorney and also a little bit of uh you know of two-face emerging was really kind of cool to see happening on the marvel on the marvel side thunderbolts will conclude phase five of marvel's cinematic universe the only phase without an avengers movie which is amazing collider has an update but collider has an update there's no trailer yet available, and the film is scheduled for a July 26, 2024 release. Now, unlike Suicide Squad, this team will show a reformed team 
doing good without the threat of death. Zemo is the main antagonist, and he recruits his own team. And you can read more about it at Collider.com. Deadline also has an article about casting director Sophie Holland. She cast The Witcher, The Continental, and Wednesday. She recently told Deadline about actors self-taping themselves instead of on-site editions. Largely that happened because of the pandemic. This is what she said. Self-taping helped democratize the audition process in that it allowed more of a level playing field for those who live in London where most of the auditions take place. Casting directors such as myself got very excited about the opportunity to see a broader, more diverse range of talent. But there's a downside about it, and you can read about that on Deadline. It's June, and that means the Tribeca Festival is coming back. And it's in great New York City. Lucy Liu is showcasing her Pirate Queen VR game at the VR experience, which I've covered many times at the festival. It's based on the fabled Chinese pirate Shang-Chi, and in the game you solve puzzles to become the Pirate Queen, according to Variety. You know, the uh, VR experience there, if you're in the New York area and plan to go to the festival, is really worth looking. I did the, uh, the runaway VR game with Doctor Who, and it was really a lot of fun to be in the TARDIS. So there's a lot of great games and uh, you're very immersive and, and really cool. And look for my podcast interviews during the Tribeca Film Festival, featuring new interviews and also some from previous festivals. And speaking of what's coming up on my podcast, Trek Tuesday will have my interviews from Star Trek Strange New Worlds num season number two. I just completed those yesterday as I record this. And although we're recording it live, obviously. So that's worth a listen to. As a primer, you can actually check in on a question I asked Anson Mount that you can listen to and watch his response on the my YouTube channel at you know Tony search under Tony Tolado and you'll find me. Okay, Amazon Prime's Blade Runner 2099 series will be delayed as much as a year because of the writer strike. The series is set 50 years after Blade Runner 2049, and this according to Deadline. You know, the Cannes Film Festival this year had some really cool things. Harrison Ford really was one of the cool things about the festival, showcasing his final appearance as Indiana Jones. But also Spain played a big part in their animation area that's growing leaps and bounds. Emmy Award-winning director Rodrigo Blas was part of a screening of his short film, Sith, which is part of Disney's Star Wars Vision Season 2 Anthology. As I mentioned, Spain is going through an animation renaissance. You must have heard on one of my podcasts uh, that there is a major animation studio in Madrid, and uh, they're just, it's getting bigger and bigger, and I couldn't be more thrilled as uh, someone whose family originated in that amazing country. Collider has a story on the shutting down of the Star Wars cruiser at Hollywood Studios, which is part of Galaxy's Edge. The reasons cited in the article, one was pretty obvious, the cost. 
It was a big ask for families already paying to be on Disney properties and go to Disney parks to pay for a, for a two-day experience. Other factors were like the mandatory storyline that really didn't allow you to really truly see the ship. Ironically, the last voyage in September is all sold out. Variety's Todd Gilchrist reviews The Boogeyman, which is loosely based on Stephen King's 1973 story. Here's part of the review. Featuring a threat seemingly drafted from the same biological blueprint as the extraterrestrials in their breakthrough film A Quiet Place, writer Scott Beck and Brian Woods craft the physical graft the that's a graft the psychological and thematic shorthand of an unresolved trauma into a creature feature while director rob savage papers over the seams between the two with copious style and a bold clear-eyed lead performance coast by yellow jacket star sophie thatcher there's more on the review at variety.com sci-fi talk returns in a moment you know that I like publications and podcasts, too, that, rant, that rank movies or characters. So here are two lists, and I'll give you partial so you can see and debate with your friends for a while, which is part of what fans do. Collider has the 10 essential black characters in sci-fi movies. Number 10 is Latoy Lieutenant Latoya Hura. Actually, she's a commander at this, this point in Star Trek The Motion Picture. I don't agree with using Star Trek The Motion Picture. I would have used Star Trek Three, and you can ask Mr. Fantastic about that one as well as he's still in the closet. Definitely that instead of one. Number nine, Lando Calrissian, The Empire Strikes Back. Great choice, great part, showing the craftiness and deal-making of Lando. Number eight, really a movie that's underrated, underappreciated, Brother from The Brother from Another Planet. John Sayles directed with Joe Morton performing a role that did not have any dialogue. It really has a cult status now, but it is really much more than that. It really is a, a really well-crafted film, and Joe Morton's performance is not to be ignored. Number seven is Zula from Conan the Destroyer, played by the unsurmountable <laughs> Grace Jones. She brought it in every scene. She was just amazing in that and uh, just being kind of who she is. Number six, an entity in the Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. Ah, the late great Tina Turner was amazing and sang that great song and had a great cozing line to Max at the end of the film. We're quite a pair, raggedy man. See the rest at Collider.com. Man, I, I still can't believe she's gone. What a legend. And Collider, again, has the 10 sci-fi movies that are based on science, rated by their accuracy. This is an interesting choice, Woman on the Moon from 1929, which has some inaccuracies, like a breathable atmosphere on the moon, but the rocket from Earth to Moon was almost spot on way before the Apollo missions. Alien from 1979, and here's what writer Hannah Saab wrote. Unlike most depictions of sleek, stylish, and roomy spaceships, the Nostromo from Alien is a bulky, ugly, cramped, blue-collar rig. In a future where space travel is commonplace, spaceships will probably take a more practical look like in this film, specifically on a towing vehicle like this one. 
Putting the crew in suspended animation is also a practical and more scientifically workable practice for long distance travel than faster than light. It, it was, uh, it, that was interesting, but the xenomorph, well, I don't know about that. That's where the fiction part of it comes in, I guess. Ant-Man from 21st, 2015, and Hannah Sab writes, a quantum scientist at the California Institute of Technology was the science advisor for Ant-Man. His most significant contributions were to the quantum realm, where the superhero shrinks so small that all known laws of physics are void. That's because of quantum entanglement, which occurs when a set of generated particles are so close together that they cannot be described separately. It's a shaky concept on the film, but the level of accuracy can be conveniently ignored or forgotten once the action starts. In my opinion, good point, but the shrinking part, we're not there yet. Contact from 1997, Hannah Sab wrote, Carl Sagan's involvement undoubtedly gives weight to the science of the beloved alien movie, Contact Movie, Contact, of course. Jargon as hydrogen times PI may appear to be nonsense, yet it has a rational foundation to explain the plausibility of the protagonist's activities. Contact, according to many astronomers, is also strikingly loyal to the ethos and methodology of SETI Institute's quest to prove the existence of extraterrestrial intelligence. This one is a solid yes for me. It also ranks on my top 10 of science fiction films of all time. So we're back doing this live and we will test it out uh, and we will uh, definitely, uh, you know, try to grab more folks as we go along. We have a few people listening and thank you for listening and being part. Uh, I will open it up if you want to call in. If not, that's Fine, I'll give you a minute or so. So don't forget, I have uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds coming up on Trek Tuesday. Interviews with, with the cast, probably for the next few Trek Tuesdays. As we go into the second season, I love the second season. It, it was so far phenomenal. I've seen the first six episodes. There's one thing you can count on, more character development. You'll get to know these people a lot more and uh, boy, there were some tear-jerking moments too, but that's all I'll say. It's certainly worth to view, I believe, this season. They're continuing some things from they did in the first season, but they're also, uh, you know, just ramping up what they've done. And there's some Easter eggs already in the series as well. Uh, really cool stuff. Everybody has something cool to do, and I think uh, you'll uh, you'll appreciate it. So, uh, huh. Fandy, welcome. You've entered the live studio. It's good to good to see you here. So uh, I'm glad you're, uh, you're you're with us. So we'll do it. We'll get the hang of this a little better going forward. Uh, with uh, people can call in now, but also I might actually have uh, co-host or other speakers with me too. And it could be somebody you know or somebody just like yourselves, uh, fans that listen to this. So I appreciate those who have listened, but I think we're going to wrap it up. And this has been Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 54 for June 1st, 2023. We're back next Thursday with the regular show. And right now it's tentatively scheduled to do a live show in early July. 
So I will get the word out uh, much sooner. So until the very next time, this is Tony Tolado. Thank you so much for listening.